Praise the Lord. Well, if you'll look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. For a Christmas message I've never shared before. I was telling my family, even today, that uh, when you pastor in one place, for 13 years, as, as I have, at least I'm in my 13th year, and seven years as the associate before that, so a score of years in the same place, there's only so many Christmas messages you can, you can preach, especially when you do lengthy series like I've done a couple of three times with a multitude of messages in the very same year. But this is a brand new Christmas message just for you, just for me, for the glory of God. Never preached this before, never heard it preached that I know of. And so I want us to consider a particular message that I've titled The Journey to Bethlehem. The Journey to Bethlehem, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxation or registration was first made when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You're very familiar with this text. Joseph and Mary engaged to be married. She shows up pregnant one day telling Joseph a wild story about how God had impregnated her. And Joseph, as you know, had high moral character and did not want to make a spectacle out of it but had a hard time believing what was going on with Mary. He was going to break off the engagement until an angel also appeared to him and filled him in on the details. And so the two of them together, certainly teenagers, almost for certain they were teenagers. They didn't have any money, um, didn't uh, have any real life experience. And now they're in a situation and they're both telling this pretty wild story about God coming upon her and she is going to be the mother of Messiah. And in fact, they had not had any relations. The next few months certainly were difficult for Joseph and Mary as those family and friends were utterly confused by what was going on. They knew the character of this teenage couple. They had watched them uh, maybe all of their lives and they they had uh, certainly embraced and, and blessed this engagement that had been going on. But They were confused. They didn't understand what was going on. How is it that they had become morally impure? Well, not only were they innocent of that, but in fact, Mary remained a virgin until after Jesus was born. All of that, we know that. We're quite aware of what I have just shared. I want us to consider a thought, though, about Christmas, about the journey to Bethlehem. In other words, filling in the spaces, as it were, in text, not writing new scripture, but just understanding what was going on behind the scenes, what was going on in this journey to Bethlehem. And this focus, I believe, gives us great insight into what it took for the incarnation to actually come to pass. That is, for God to become man 
and live that sinless life, tempted at all points as we are yet without sin. What it took for that to happen. You'll remember in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, a prophecy given 700 years before this event took place, that it named a very specific place, that is Bethlehem of Judea, where Messiah, the ruler, the God-man, would actually come on the scene. It could not have taken place just anywhere or the word of God would no longer have been infallible. It had to take place at a very specific place, as the prophecy said. Here is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And I'd like us to consider three points about what took place on the journey to Bethlehem and then see how that uh, rings in our own lives. The first thing I want us to consider, Chris, if you will control that, is an example of compliance. An example of compliance, or another word for compliance is obedience. It is following what they were told to do. Not only was Joseph, were Joseph and Mary willing to comply or obey the will of God as it had been revealed to them, uh, an angel uh, appeared unto them. Fear not, Mary, fear not, Joseph, for that which uh, has been told you is going to come to pass. Not only were they willing to be compliant with that, they were also willing to be compliant with the authorities who were over them in their lives. Certainly, of course, their parents, uh, first and foremost. And then the government authorities. Think about this situation. Mary, a teenager, full term with her first baby. You who have been there, uh, know you ladies who have been there know uh, certainly infinitely better than I do what that means. She is literally ready to deliver in just a few days and an order, an an edict, an absolute command, a non-negotiable directive came down from a pagan, oppressive Roman authority. And it said, Joseph, you are to, and by virtue of Mary being engaged to him, and that was binding, provided he didn't find some uncleanness in her, you all are to go back to your hometown and you're to be registered. We want all the tax money we can get. And the only way we're going to know that we're getting all the tax money is to everyone, go back, just scatter from where you are, go back to where you were born, go back to where you started and you be registered there. And there's going to be some officials there in all of these villages and cities all over Palestine. And we want you to register there. We're telling you that you must. And so they leave. She willingly left her family and friends to go to the other end of the country with this teenage guy to whom she was engaged. They certainly didn't have any money. As a matter of fact, um, we will um, we'll learn uh, tomorrow morning in the service about what they had to bring as a sacrifice, as an offering. And we can see that they were probably desperately poor. They didn't have anything, maybe just the clothes on their back. It very well could have been um, that Mary walked most or all of that way. And folks, it was quite a distance. Uh, that next screen will show you that, uh, that uh, look at where they started. They were up here in uh, Nazareth and Cana of Galilee, right up in this area. And they had to end up down here at Bethlehem of Judea. You see, there was a Bethlehem, another Bethlehem that was right up in northern area in Galilee. But that's not the Bethlehem that was prophesied in Micah 5 too. It was Bethlehem of Judea, the city of David where King David was born. They 
we're going to go from this distance to this distance, a distance of probably at least 60 miles or so, according to this, uh, according to this, um, uh, this map and the mileage there, but uh, 60 to 70 miles. Now, did they go as the crow flies due south? Certainly not. They have, uh, obviously, they would not have because they would have gone right through the heart of Samaria. And there isn't any way that he is going to put his nine-month pregnant, uh, uh, soon-to-be wife in that kind of danger. Maybe they weren't prejudiced against the Samaritans, but they certainly would have been running uh, the greatest risk if they would have gone through Samaria. So what did um, Joseph have to do? He had to take her over uh, due east, probably across the Jordan River, and then due south, and then come back over and uh, ultimately go to Jerusalem and then end up in Bethlehem. They were willing to obey the will of God, willing to submit to authority that God had placed over them. Folks, biblical compliance to the will of God is only compliance. It's only biblical obedience when it is done without complaining. You can be almost certain if you are born again, if you are desire, desiring to honor God in lo- your life, you are being compliant. You're being obedient to the Savior when you are doing so without complaining about the circumstances. And Mary and Joseph, even though others were questioning their character, uh, the, the real moral fiber in their being, they were ones who were willing to obey the will of God even in the face of the most difficult circumstances, walking 60 to 70 miles in dangerous territory, uh, uh, on foot, desperately poor, and nine months pregnant. What's your level of compliance to the will of God when you know something God wants you to do Someone God wants you to be somewhere. He wants you to go some ministry. He wants you to embrace and to take on. Are you quick to be compliant without complaining? Mary and Joseph in their journey to Bethlehem very much were characterized by being compliant from the heart to the will of God. Check your own heart right now. Where are you relative to your obedience with the Lord? Are there areas of known disobedience that you're entertaining worldliness over here? Or you're running from God like Jonah did over here? Or you're resisting something that he is bringing uh, to your attention? Or would you say, to God be the glory, the best I know, my heart is yielded and surrendered and open to obey whichever way he uh, sends me wherever he sends me. I'm go- I'm ready to go, just like Mary and Joseph were ready to go. I mean, this registration could have taken place any time. Why not three months earlier? Why not three months from now? But right now, the week of the delivery, can't we just hang around Nazareth for a little while? No, no, Joseph, Mary, you have to get to Bethlehem. And God saw to it and used pagan authorities to make sure that it came to pass. Glory to God. An example of compliance. Secondly, the journey to Bethlehem was an example of courage. An example of courage. Traveling that distance certainly would have taken 6, 10, 14 days, something along that line. They were unprotected. And you can even, I can picture in my mind's eye, the courage which had to well up in their hearts. You see, it's one thing to be compliant to the will of God when things are safe. 
You see, it's, it's easy to um, say, yes, I'm going to support missions. Yes, I, I'm, I, I care and my heart is open to uh, our orphans in Haiti. Uh, and it's one thing to, to be willing to do that. And yes, I care about lost souls. And yes, I want to uh, honor the Lord in my life. But when the difficulties come, when the persecution comes, when the ridicule comes, that's a horse of a different color. I'm not so sure I, I really want to go down that road. Not really sure uh, I'm wanting to risk it. I think I'd rather just stay home and save the stuff and just kind of us four close the door no more. And I'm not going to worry about following him when the going gets tough. It's easy to throw money at missions. It's easy uh, to um, uh, to say amen when when uh, when the pastor is preaching the gospel. But what about when God puts you in the path of a lost soul? Will you with Joseph and Mary have that courage well up from your heart and say, yes, I'll do that. How do you acquire spiritual courage? How do you actually acquire that? Well, it's not something that you can, uh, it's not a commodity. Uh, It's basically, it's the absence of everything else. It is complete abandonment. It is utter surrender. It is saying, Lord, you have saved me. I'm bought with a price. I am now your vessel. As a matter of fact, I'm nothing more than a clay jar. I'm an earthen vessel. But you've hid a treasure in my heart. And so all if you want me to be broken so it can spill out, just point me in the right direction. Here I go. There's compliance. There must be a heart of obedience. But it must be mingled with courage in him. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The rhetorical question has been asked. If God be for us, who could be against us? Again, the rhetorical question. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. No one can be against us if God is for us. The journey to Bethlehem had compliance and courage flavoring it every step of the way. Are you obedient? And are you so from a heart of surrender and abandonment to him. Thirdly and finally, the journey to Bethlehem was an example of contentment. Contentment. You see, it's one thing to be willing to be compliant. Okay, God, I'll obey. And, and you really mean it. And you really mean, if you make it clear that you want me to be a missionary, that you want me to, to jump on to, to giving to missions, if you want me to, to share the gospel with that person, if you want me to honor my husband, if you want me to love my wife, uh, uh, to uh, uh, follow the leadership of my parents, whatever it is, you really do have a heart to obey. That very well may be the case. That's one thing. It's even more to be courageous about it when the difficulties are present. That might be another step. But blessing comes when a child of God is content in all of that. Meaning there is the settled assurance that God is bigger than this situation. That he knows the, my, my beginning and my end. He knows everything in between. Blessing comes when the child of God will be content in following Christ. Which is why 1 Timothy 6 says, 6, uh, chapter 6 and verse 6 says... Godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, it's not just godliness that's great gain. It's not just being content that is profitable. It is godliness that is a life wholly given to him with a a spirit of contentment. Resting the assurance that he loves me. He cares for me. He knows what I'm about. And I can trust him in that. 
That is great gain. You see, ladies, young ladies, Mary's heading down south to an area she doesn't know anything about. Probably can't figure it totally out either. And she knows she's ready to deliver. And this is a scary time. There's no medical facility available. No medical care. There isn't a hospital. There isn't mom or grandmother right there holding her hand. She's got this guy with her. And guys don't know anything. (laughs) And what's more dangerous is guys don't know they don't know anything. And she's heading down south. 60, 70, might as well have been 10,000 miles away by the means of transportation back in that day. She was forever away. There's no getting back. There's no turning back. Oh, she might obey. She may even do so courageously. But where was her heart? I would argue, by virtue of what we know about the situation, that she had a spirit of contentment, giving birth with her first child, having been ridiculed by family and friends as a fornicator, having left all of her security, she was content going into labor by herself, very poor, in a barn with stinking animals, having been turned away by the innkeeper. You notice in the text here, in verse 7, And she brought, you see, uh, you're reading all all this into this, Pastor. Well, what does verse seven say? And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him. The antecedent is she wrapped him in swaddling cones. You follow that? You follow the storyline? There isn't any help. I mean, Mary is soloing this. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes, wrapped him in a cloth and laid him in a feeding trough all alone in a scary dangerous world. She and Joseph were obedient to the will of God. They were courageous in facing danger and were content in knowing that even though they didn't know what tomorrow holds, they know who holds tomorrow. You can be that way also in him. I can be that way also. I can take a journey to Bethlehem every day as Can you, if you know him, if you are surrendered to obey his will, if you are uh, boldly walking uh, in his steps and if you will do so without a spirit of resistance, grumbling, second guessing the will of God or any of the above. I close with this. Jesus was the consummate example. You see, we have Mary and Joseph as purely human example of this. Jesus being the consummate example of compliance. Compliance to the will of the Father as he humbled himself in his humanity, being divine, being all God, being the ancient of days, being the one that the angels uh, uh, worship in the temple in Isaiah chapter 6, being that very one, yet in his humanity, humbling himself, placing himself under the directive of the Father, He was compliant, courageous, knowing that he was heading for the cross, probably knowing it all along, maybe as a baby knowing it, I presume. I don't think God can ever not be God in his thinking. 
So that must mean that as an infant, he knew he was heading to the cross. And content. Not my will, but thy will be done. As you receive the elements of the Lord's table this evening, the bread and the juice, do so with the mindset. Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem and they had a spirit to obey. They were bold in what they were willing to do in the will of God. And they were content in the outcome. Jesus, the consummate example of that. And in your own life, as the bread is being distributed, the juice is being distributed, I want you to take your own journey to Bethlehem. Just go down that path. Having to steer clear of what you know would not be the will of God. Pursuing like a laser beam what you know is the will of God for you. Checking your heart for fear, for faithlessness. Checking your heart for discontent. And I believe that if we do, we will better understand what it took to get the God man here and what it means to follow in his steps. Our deacons are coming now to distribute the elements of the Lord's table as they do, as they make their way here and men go right ahead and begin uh, doing that. The Lord's Supper, as we observe it, is a symbol. The bread is a picture of the body of Christ. Go right ahead.